What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Taylor DeWin coming to y'all live from Louisville, Kentucky. As always, recording here on a sunny Tuesday afternoon. Big show on deck for y'all. A lot of news has happened. A lot of things have happened in the lacrosse world over the past, you know, over the weekend in the past couple of days. Uh, some big pieces of news dropping on Monday afternoon, evening in the world of professional lacrosse. Some big games and performances over the weekend in the NLL. And a lot to get to on this show, including our guest, Jimmy Payne, the founder of Barbados Lacrosse. And I'm actually going to play the interview I had with Jimmy before we get into uh, the weekend recap and news and notes segment of the show. So that'll be at the end of the show. My interview with Jimmy Payne will be here at the beginning just in a few minutes. But first, I want to talk to you about Barbados Lacrosse. So, and the news that they've had over the past weekend, uh, which is pretty significant in the world of lacrosse, the global game that is lacrosse. So Barbados and Lithuania actually were accepted to world lacrosse on, I believe it was Tuesday or Wednesday of last week. And then Barbados lacrosse also just got their um, nonprofit accepted. So they're now a nonprofit organization. People can donate to Barbados Lacrosse and write it off as a tax exemption, as a donate, as a donation to a nonprofit. Getting the World Lacrosse Admittance. They're also a member of uh, the Pan American Lacrosse Association, which I need to do a whole podcast on that because the restructuring of World Lacrosse and how they've created these different organizations is something that's real. I really love the way they've done it. It's really interesting. So I'll get into that. I, I, I'm going to need to do a whole other podcast on that, but they're a member of PAL. I believe it's PALA, <clears throat> the Pan American Lacrosse Association. It's every country that has lacrosse that's in North and South America in the, the uh, Caribbean and uh, Barbados example. So Barbados Lacrosse, they've got this World Lacrosse Admittance, and they've been able, really, you know, they, Lacrosse has only been on the island down there, and for about just over a year, about, they've seen some really good growth down there. You've, you know, um, coaches from, coaches and <clears throat> people of Bayesian heritage have been able to go down to the island and help grow the game. The Howard University women's team, um, a couple players and their coach went down there. I believe Jimmy said it was last uh, December and helped uh, with the girls' game down there and did a clinic. Um, but right now, you know, still kind of grassroots down there in Barbados, growing the game at uh, most of the youth level. And, you know, things uh, with World Cross. Um, just take it to another level because you can now, with World Lacrosse's IOC provisional recognition, teams uh, 
teams and organizations, uh, whatever you want to call them, can go to their sports ministry um, and, and the Olympic, you know, committee or organization in the country, and and they can talk to them. They can get funds from them for equipment and everything like that. So World Lacrosse membership for Barbados Lacrosse is huge, as well as getting that nonprofit status. So Barbados Lacrosse been going through a lot of changes, uh, a lot of big news for them over the past week. And without further ado, here's my interview with Barbados Lacrosse founder, Jimmy Payne. What's your introduction to uh, lacrosse? Until I was like five, then I lived in Jamaica for eight years, um, and then I moved from Jamaica uh, to Arnold, Maryland. That's like that's just outside of Annapolis, and mm-hmm. I enrolled. I went to so I, football. That was my main sport, um, and from just being around in Annapolis, I would see like STX lacrosse stickers, mm-hmm. and then being like a curious athlete and just asking around. Um, you know, question came up one day, what's lacrosse? Someone told me what it is. Then I asked, like, kids at my school, um, and they were like, yeah, like, lacrosse is, like, a sport, um, and it's, like, really big up here. It's really big in this school. And I was like, what? They're like, yeah, like, a long history of, like, really good lacrosse players. Um, but I didn't play yet. Uh, but some of my football players were like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe, you, like, we'll show you some stuff. Um, but then I went to church with um, a guy named Newton Gentry, the fourth, yeah, the fourth. Newton Gentry, he went to Mount St. Joe and uh, UVA, and he played. Um, and one day after church, I was at his house, and he was, like, testing out some new sticks. And I get bugging him to, like, be like, all right, let me check this out. And he finally, like, showed me some stuff, and I shot on goal. It was pretty decent. So he was like, yeah, you know, like, I'll, I'll teach you more. And then he was just telling, like, me that, like, I'm really good the kids at your school about me like some of the cross players so i go back to school and i'm like hey you guys know about a kid named newton and they're like yeah he's really good um we grew up playing with him and stuff and i'm like yeah he taught me how to play and they're like oh really so fast forward um i got injured my sophomore year in tryouts i had a back injury um but then um my junior year i tried out for the varsity team and i made that and i was coached by uh, mike burnett and, um, yeah, that's how I got introduced to lacrosse, man. I was a kid that went to St. Mary's and lived in Annapolis. So, mm-hmm. of course, I kind of kind of found out about the game. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then uh, when did you first get the idea of uh, bringing lacrosse to Barbados? And when did you uh, start that project? So, I had the – originally the idea was when I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, this would be a perfect game for the Caribbean. Because it's like hot and it kind of integrates like things uh, that are similar to like soccer or football. Mm-hmm. We call it football on here. Yeah. Um. So and then I also saw like the game needed diversity, and I was like, so for me, I was the only black kid on my team. Uh, the kid that taught me to play Newton was black, and looking back, I don't think I would have learned the game or maybe have gotten as competent and wanted to play as much if I wasn't taught by a black kid first um so i was definitely like this is a cool game and like this is something that like 
the game some, would be cool for diversity. Um, so something that I kind of locked in my in my head as a teenager, like a wild dream. And then fast forward to, um, I went to Towson University. Uh, my degree is in broadcast journalism. and But when I graduated, uh, the media industry wasn't really hiring. So I did what most MassCom students and journalism students did when I graduated in 2009. I job service or whatever it may be. And I just joined the real world. Um, I worked in the cell phone retail industry a lot. The last company I worked for was Verizon. So I was working at Verizon, and I was just kind of stuck in, like, the railroad sales thing. And in the back of my head, it was always kind of like, you know, I should, like, I had a dream of moving back home to Barbados and opening up a sports bar um, and then also teaching American football and lacrosse. So something, an idea I had, and I had a friend, um, shout out to my boy, uh, Kirk Hamilton, um, who is a really uh, innovative entrepreneur out of Jamaica, but uh, he's he's one of my he's my my first friend in Jamaica. So he kind of out of my friends, he was the one that kind of took the entrepreneurial leap. Um, when a lot of us traditionally Caribbean kids, or especially middle class Caribbean kids, we're we're brainwashed in the the stream of go to school, get a good education, go to college, get a good degree, get mainly like a like doctor, lawyer, engineer, that type of degree, and like work a career, and that's like the route to success. Um, Kirk did that too, but he got his master's in, in, in architecture and then just decided to, you know what, I'm going to chase my dream and um, to stop doing that and became an entrepreneur doing um, his business. So... He's always kind of been the one pushing me to be like, was pushing me to like, yo, Jimmy, like, take that leap, man. You have a good idea. Like, it's something you're passionate about. Chase your passion. Stop being miserable in the, in like the, the, you know, in, in the railroad and the, and the retail drag. And he one time hit me up and was like, hey, there, I have a friend down in Barbados who, um, has like a similar idea about like the sports bar. You guys, you guys should talk. So I, like, a couple months later, I was like, you know what? Get up, guys' information. So I got the guy's information. Um, that guy's name is Rohan Ford. He's now my uh, my business partner um, with my sports bar. And then he's also on the, the board of Barbados Across. Um, so talked to Rohan. We had a great conversation. Realized that our visions aligned in what we see. Um, changing the culture of sports in Barbados. Um, not just playing, but how sports can benefit the country um, financially and culturally and um, even um, interpersonal um, stuff between people. So better teamwork and stuff like that, whatever it may be. So fast forward, I was like, okay, so I found someone that I can, um, that can, I can partner up with to chase this dream. And I moved back to Barbados in 2018, the goal to open up the sports bar. Um, sports bar is still being built, um, but we have a field. But on the lacrosse side, um, I came down and started. I had a camp in the summer of 2018, and a summer camp that was about two weeks. And then I started holding after, uh, after school practice sessions at Queens College. Um, I got to give a big thanks to uh, Coach uh, Sidaway and um, Dr. Brown, who's uh, – Coach Sidaway is the, the, the head PE coach who was the first 
So I was calling schools, trying to be like, hey, I'm introducing the sport to, to lacrosse. I'm introducing the sport lacrosse to the island, and I would like to do after-school programs with them. And he was one of the, the first guys I got to actually talk to. The vision, so he agreed with it. And Dr. Brown is the principal of Queens College. They've been very uh, instrumental in the growth of lacrosse because I've been able to use their fields uh, basically from day one. So started doing that every Thursday and Saturdays um, during the, like the first semester. Like so, that would be like the fall semester. Um, then in the winter, um, Carly Brentlinger, who's um, coached at Howard University, the girls team, she reached out to me and asked me about the girls program. Um, her and some players visited in December of 2018 held a weekend camp um, to help grow the girls program because obviously like I played boys across and I've yeah. been trying to help the girls as much as possible but really truly and I know from an objective coaching standpoint I know nothing of girls across especially oh, yeah. like the point to the skill level where I want my girls to get you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah so it was awesome for them to come down so we had a camp and then I started holding um another practice session at Harrison College, which is another like high school down here. So right now, as of then, I've been holding sessions Tuesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays from 3 to uh, 5.30. So I actually have a practice session today, which is the last one of the last of the semesters because their semester, the their last day of school is today. Um, so I had, then I participated in a summer camp this past summer. So yeah, man, I've been growing at grassroots. Um, then I've been trying to, I've been finding, um, lacrosse players that live in England, um, and Barbados in Canada that have Bayesian roots. Um, shout outs to Travis Payne, Anthony Sohan, um, Olivia, uh, anyone that came down and helped and just trying to find Bayesian kids of Bayesian heritage that would want to be on the national team and also come down, um, and, and help coach and spread the game. Cause the goal is to, uh, make Barbados to be the top. Caribbean program. I basically want it to be like the and Maryland, um, Long Island version, mm-hmm. straight yeah. hotbed. And that's what I come from, man. I play in the yeah. MIA. So my 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 brand and what I was exposed to is I played it was a high level and mm-hmm. that's all I know. So I want my my kids to get there. That's awesome. So uh, you know, uh, how successful do you think you've been this far? Like how was lacrosse received at first? Um, I would say for the budget that I had, so basically I used my 401k to buy equipment. Um, so I brought down to the island, I brought down like uh, 40 balls, uh, 20 boy sticks, originally five girl sticks, two goalie sticks, and 15 helmets, 15 set of like pads for boys, gloves, and all that two goals and four long sticks. I shit that all down. So yeah, that costs a lot of money yeah. and Barbados with taxes. So I paid a lot of like duty tax. Um, so I would say from what I was doing, um, I've been charging the kids like 10 to $5. Um, so that's half in America. So basically $5, $2.50. So, you know, for like lacrosse, that's like dirt cheap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say for how I've been doing it and just me and me being the only coach and having like a little bit of assistance, um, I said it's been pretty successful. Um, now that I've been, um, the nonprofit is now officially up and I've been accepted into World, uh, World Lacrosse, I know that I'm going to be able, really able to attack things and really get things to where I want it to be. So I'd say overall it's a success when it comes to the children, um, when it comes to the administrative side on the country. It hasn't been as um, 
on a certain extent. Um, I've had a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, that sounds cool, but let's see how it goes. Kind of let's see. But overall, the children like it. They like that it's it's a different. Um, and I know I've been telling my kids, like, kind of like, because I've been keeping them in a loop of the development of what I try to, where I want to get things. And things kind of died, died down for a while, but they know about, like, what happened the past, like, two, three days. So I know, and I'm going to talk to them today, I know they're going to be really excited about the future and me really now going to our sports council, going to the sports ministry, and, and rather than seeing some guy saying that, hey, I'm Jimmy Payne and I have this, this pipeline dream about spreading the sport in Ireland, I can now say to them, like, I've been holding sessions for a year, I've held camps, I have... Um, I have a group of players, and not only that, I've been accepted into the World Lacrosse, um, the Pan American Lacrosse Association, and my nonprofit is up. So, definitely coming more official and uh, really trying to uh, break the doors down. And when you look at, you know, you got accepted the World, World Lacrosse, uh, what was that uh, kind of process like? Um, that process was. Um, uh, a long one, uh, but it was definitely, I will say, I have to give huge thanks to um, Bob DeMarco um, and Kat Lowe of Palo. They helped me along this path um, a lot and guided me along the process and helped me along in, when it came to sh- breaking down to me how I have to structure the program, um, helping me with the application, um, and then just leading me down the path, and then it was just me following the path, but... Huge thanks to them. Um, I will say it was it was a cool it was a cool thing um, talking to them um, and then just going through the application. So doing my bylaws, um, uh, the constitution, all that stuff, man. A lot of official stuff. Mm-hmm. So it it was it was a very cool process. But I have to give thanks to them for for guiding me along the way. Right. And then uh, now, what would you say the uh the next steps are for Barbados lacrosse? Um, the next steps right now would be um, Coach Burnett. So my high school coach, Mike, uh, Michael Burnett, um, <laughs> who played for UNC, who's a legend in the game, um, he's going to be the head coach of the men's team. Um, I have someone that sent me an application, um, Barry Elliott, um, to coach the women's program. So um, we'll see uh, what goes in the future with that. The, the future future heading forward, I would say, is um, I want to start a high school league. Should I be starting a high school league? I know World Lacrosse is going to be coming down here. So 2020, it's really just having bigger camps, having players come down here, and really having a big explosion in the island when it comes to um, experienced players coming down here and demoing the game and showing the game how it's really played at high speed. Um, having more kids playing. Um, getting more equipment and then forming the national team, training with national team players and starting in the high school league um, so we can get our kids playing real competitive lacrosse. Right. And then lastly, you know, how can someone uh, outside of Barbados kind of help uh, go you all's effort? So there are three, um, many ways. The main way um, I have a, a GoFundMe um, and I'll send you the link. So I have a right. GoFundMe. Um, and now that the nonprofit is up, um, people can now like write it off on their taxes. Yeah. So it's not like if they're just donating to an individual, they're mm-hmm. donating to uh, an organization. Um, then also um, equipment drives. If anyone wants to donate equipment to, Bar- uh, to Barbados, we are more than welcome. 
Um, sticks and pads, especially for the boys' games, helmets are definitely a need. Uh, so contact me. I can tell you how to get them down there. If you know anyone that is that has Bayesian heritage or, vis- or visits Barbados and has lacrosse equipment, um, we found out it is cheaper sometimes just to bring the equipment down and just pay for the extra bag. Um, so, yeah, network with people and just keep talking about Barbados across spreading the word and finding people that want to help the cause. Um, I have an Instagram page. It's um, the Barbados Sportsman, or if you search Barbados across, you'll find it. Uh, and you can talk to me. I manage the page, so you'll be talking to me directly. But, yeah, the main thing right now would be funds, honestly. It's fun to get like more coaches down here, um, more equipment and stuff like that. So if they can share and donate to the GoFundMe, that'd be awesome. Again, I want to thank Jimmy for coming on the show. A very, very good interview there with Jimmy Payne of Barbados Class. It was a fairly long one, but very informational, very uh, a lot of good stuff in that one about how he got into Class. Uh, found the game and how uh, lacrosse, how he brought lacrosse to Barbados and what they're doing now to grow the game down there. So, quick weekend re- weekend recap here. Um, a lot of action in the NLL over the past weekend. Four games were on the docket. The first one. There's a couple I'm really not going to talk too much about. Um, Philadelphia at Georgia. The Georgia Swarm moved 2-0 on the season, beating Philadelphia 12-6. Lyle Thompson, Brian Cole, two of the leaders in this one, and Georgia really just got hot early, and Philadelphia was never able to recover. Although, Trevor Baptiste did go, I believe, 17-22 at the faceoff dot, which just re-emphasizes my argument that face-offs don't matter as much in box across unless you're talking specific end-of-game situations where you need to get the ball. New England, this is a big one here, New England 12, Saskatchewan 8. And honestly, in this one, and <clears throat> I know, you know, Saskatchewan looked good later in the game. But overall, they just looked dead. They literally looked dead from the start of this game. I I don't think I've ever seen a Saskatchewan team um, play like this ever. They they absolutely looked dead in this one. And credit to to New England. And I want to give a shout-out here. Calum Crawford and Andrew Q. Unbelievable performances, especially from the rookie Andrew Q. He's now leading leading all the rookies in the league in scoring with 10. The next rookie uh, below him is um, Travis Longboat with five goals, or five points, excuse me. This game, just it, it was just not the game for Saskatchewan. And, you know, what we saw from them in week one, that defense and everything they had, at times they looked lost in this one. And I'm not sure if it's if it was New England's offense getting to them, but like, I'll say this: New England. I don't know if I'm jumping on the bandwagon yet, or on the on, on the wagon. But I mean, because this happened last year too, 
they got hot early and then they ended up kind of blowing it late in the season. But they got hot early last year. And so I don't know if I'm ready to jump on the wagon just yet. But I do believe this is a very, very good New England team. I mean, and they just took down Saskatchewan by three. One of the best teams in the league. And I honestly thought, I honestly thought, I thought this was going to be a good one, but I honestly thought the Saskatchewan was going to get this one. And they didn't. I mean, and I mentioned it again. I'm going to mention it again. They, Saskatchewan came out and laid an egg. And I don't know what in the world they were doing. Defensively, offensively, they just could not get anything going. Vancouver, Field Teen, New York, 10. If you watched the first quarter of this game, first quarter, start of the second quarter, this was likely one of the worst, not like worst in terms of, because they did, there was a lot of, there was a lot of goals scored early on. It was three to five. It was five. Um, it was eight to six at half. Vancouver leading. It was tied three three at the end of the first. And so, like, this was just a tough game. And I mean, New York. They. I thought New York started very, very good. I thought they did some really good things. But they just kind of couldn't put it together in that third quarter, which ended up killing them. They were able to kind of come back late in the fourth, but they couldn't really make much of it. And uh, Vancouver, I thought, looked really good. I was especially, especially impressed with Matt Beers. He had one goal, three assists. Uh, the defenseman was all over the floor all night long. Um, he was laying hits on guys. He was, you know, he, he was playing Matt Beers style lacrosse. Uh, you could tell uh, the captain was leading his ship out there. And it was super impressive performance from him in this game. Also for the Riptide, really good to see Connor Kelly. Uh, he had six points in this one, two goals, four assists. Nice to see Connor Kelly. Uh, get some action there and start to to come to fruition of what we thought, he, what many think he can become in the box game. Last game of the weekend here. This is another one that's kind of like the Philadelphia Georgia game. San Diego, excuse me, Toronto 13, San Diego 6. Toronto. Started the game on a 5-0 run. 5-0 run. San Diego pulls Frank Siliano after the first, not in the first quarter, but it was like midway through the second. They pulled him um, early in the second, I should say. They pulled him. Not a good game for him. Not a good game for the San Diego defense. Laying egg in the first quarter, and they can't make up for it. 
They no second and third was okay, pretty decent. Uh, but you get outscored four to one in the final quarter of play and shoot yourself in the foot. Connor Fields got himself going in this game. And honestly, Connor Fields and Westberg, the only two goal scorers for San Diego in this game. Like that is that is frightening when you just have two guys that score a goal. Berg had five points, four goals, one assist. Fields had two goals. That's that's frightening. Like that's and they each had double digits, like in shot totals. Zach Greer, Kyle Buchanan also did as well, but they didn't put anything on net. Um, they didn't put anything in, in the net, I should say. Uh, Kunin, excuse me, Greer had two assists, and Buchanan had two assists as well. So, and Garrett Apple had one assist. So you had some guys contributing in that way, but this was overall just a very, very bad performance from San Diego. Uh, Toronto absolutely just took it to them and uh, never let up. Now, looking ahead to this weekend in the NLL, and yeah, I'm doing this weekend preview right after the recap because there's only two games. <laughs> um, you have the Nighthawks versus the Halifax Thunderbirds. That one is going to be exciting because if you remember the Halifax moved from Rochester to Halifax. The new Rochester Thunder, uh, either Rochester Nighthawks are the new expansion team there in Rochester. Game of the week, you can watch this one on B, uh, on I believe it's free on BR Live. Um, and you also can watch it on Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, it's free on BR Live too. Um, Colorado Mammoth versus the Calgary Roughnecks. Get the first look of a Dane Doby-less Roughneck offense versus a pretty tough Mammoth defense. Um, I'm expecting this one to be a lower-scoring game, but could also see this being a pretty high-scoring game depending on who shows up. Halifax. You know, I really like this Rochester offense, and I think if they um, if they can put it together, they may be able to give Halifax some trouble. But I um, just judged on just judging on the first two games from both of these teams, I would fully expect Halifax to get the win in that one. So that's all we got for this weekend. Really, not that much uh, going on in the NLL this weekend with just two games. And, oh, both are on Saturday night, by the way. And Rochester, Halifax, 6 p.m. Colorado, Calgary, 8.30 p.m. Now, the big news coming out of the NLL early this week is that the San Diego Seals will host the, the Vancouver Warriors on a on the runway of a marine of an active marine 
Air Base in San Diego. Miramar uh, Air, uh, Marine Air Base, I believe is what is what it's called. They will host a it's the first professional game on an active marine airfield air base. I keep wanting to say air force, it's air base. So that's exciting. And I saw some people like, you know, kind of jokingly saying, but what if it rains? Um, because it doesn't, if, if you know, it doesn't usually rain much in San Diego, in Southern California, um, really at all. Um, so that game will be February 22nd. Um, you ha- the, so what they're doing is they're building a outdoor arena. And so there will be limited seating. I know the military people will be able to be there and all of that. Um, and I believe if you go to San Diego's website, I think it's like the first thing they have up there um, is I believe you have to like, if you're a season ticket holder, I think you get in with your season tickets. But I think if you aren't, I think you have to enter like, a, it's not a contest, but you have, to, there's like a wait list, obviously, because it's limited seating. So like what I'm interested to see is how they're going to broadcast this because so, like, how is BR Live going to broadcast this? Because, I mean, if you're saying limited seating and all of that, you have to think it might be a little difficult to broadcast this game because they're going to have to build, like, a, not a, I mean, you don't have to build a broadcast booth, but, like, will they have got, like, will the broadcast be from basically down on the floor almost? Or will they have like scaffolding there where the broadcasters sit up top? Um, so I'm interested to see how they how how they pull that one off. Uh, they're actually they're dubbing this game the Rubble, Rumble on the Runway. So th- it's going to be a really interesting one. Um, and obviously those two teams being the two West Coast teams, you no. Know, ah, like I don't want to say it's a rivalry because San Diego is just in their second year, but. They had some pretty intense games last year. Um, so I'm excited to see what that holds and how that game looks to be, you know, in terms of not only attendance, but just how, how everything looks, like the aesthetics of everything is going to be very interesting. Last, p- last piece of note here in the professional game. Tim Sudan has been named the next head coach of Chrome Lacrosse Club in the PLL. If you remember, uh, Sudan was the Rochester Rattlers head coach from 2011 to 2016, I believe. Oh, no, 17, 17. When they left for Dallas, and he essentially was basically five... I don't want to say fired, but he, he was essentially fired when they moved to Dallas. And Bill Warder, who was a former assistant there, took over the club. So Sudan's been out of a coaching job for a couple of years now, coming back to coach Chrome Lacrosse Club 
an interesting little note. A lot of players on that team actually played for the Rattlers, so he's pretty familiar with a lot of those guys, like, like a John Galloway. Um, so that, that's something really interesting there. And when, when it was announced that he was the next head coach of Chrome, um, kind of that 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 was the first thing that popped in my head was Rochester Rattlers 2.0. That's what we're getting here again. Um, so that, that, that position became open after Dom Stargia retired or stepped down. You know, he you know, uh, coached Chrome this past season. They went 2-8 and eight overall. Lost in the second round of the, like, first overall draft pick playoffs. So, Dom Stargia steps down, and he's now... A, on the advisory board with the POL, and Tim Sudan steps in, and like I think Tim Sudan is I I honestly and I I put this on Twitter I said this is an A plus hire for the POL because I think when you're looking at building a team building a franchise, Tim Sudan is one of the best guys for that. When you look at his track record, he he's coached in the NLL as well as the MLL. So look at his track record. And both Rochester teams, by the way, the Nighthawks, he was an assistant there. Um, the old Nighthawks. Look at his track record. He had a real good track record of kind of building professional teams. Like he and he played for the he played pro World cross, so he understands the whole all the dynamics. And obviously, it was, it was um, a while back, but still, he understands the dynamics of professional lacrosse. He understands everything like that. So I think this is a, and again, looking at his track record, I think this is a um, A plus higher for PLL and Chrome Lacrosse Club to get a guy like Tim Sudan to lead your team. Now, inside lacrosse has released their preseason rankings you can also like order pre-order the face-off yearbook so the 2020 <clears throat> rankings hold on uh, link is not working Pull this back up here. Okay, the face-off yearbook top 20 Division 1 is here. So the top 20, this is inside lacrosse's preseason top 20 for the face-off yearbook. Number 20 is Lehigh. Number 19, UMass. Number six, 18, Towson. Number 17, High Point. Number 16, Georgetown. Number 15, Army. Number 14, Loyola. Number 13, Johns Hopkins. Number 12, Cornell. Number 11, North Carolina. Number 10, Denver. Number nine, Ohio State. Number eight, Syracuse. Number seven, 
Notre Dame. Number six, Duke. Number five, Penn. Number four, Maryland. Number three, Yale. Number two, Penn State. And number one, the defending national champions, University of Virginia. Pretty solid list. Pretty solid ranking, I should say. <clears throat> the only kind of... Um, I guess the only thing for me is like... I think Cornell is a little too high at 13. I honestly don't think they should be ranked at the moment. Um, but I, if they are, I think they should be closer to 20, maybe 18, 19. Uh, but, you know, it's preseason, so you can't, you can't, you can't argue too much about preseason rankings. Um, now, coincidentally, uh, U.S. Cross Magazine also released their uh, Nike Division One preseason top 20. And their rankings are pretty much the same um, in terms of teams in it. And um, I mean, all the teams are exact. Well, they do have Rutgers and Villanova in there. Um, so here's, here's the U.S. lacrosse. Um, so I'll start with also considered here. Delaware, Georgetown, High Point, Michigan, Providence, and Richmond. Georgetown, High Point were both in the in the inside of lacrosse rankings. Uh, I do not agree that those two two teams are not ranked. Um, so yeah. Number twenty, Army, number nineteen, Towson, number eighteen, Lehigh, number seventeen, Villanova, number sixteen, Rutgers. 15, Loyola, 13, UMass, 13, Ohio State, 12, Cornell, why are they number 12, 11, North Carolina, 10, Penn, 9, Denver, 8, Johns Hopkins, 7, Syracuse, 6, Notre Dame, 5, Duke, 4, Maryland, 3, Yale, 2, Virginia, 1, Penn State. Uh, The top five, I believe, is the same for inside lacrosse. So, Maryland, Yale, and then they flipped Penn State and UVA in the inside lacrosse and U.S. lacrosse rankings, and uh, Duke is not and Duke is not in the top five for inside lacrosse, but is for U.S. lacrosse. It's preseason rankings. It's it's preseason rankings. You can't argue too much with them. Um, it's going off what we've seen. Um, the one, and I had someone ask me this today, I said, you know, what rankings, like, what rankings do I go off of more? Um, the one that, like, so when you look on ESPN, when they have a game on ESPN, the rankings that they use on there are the inside lacrosse rankings, I believe. So, I usually go off of those because I feel those, not that, I, I mean, and usually there's not much variation as we saw. Um, there's not too much variation, and sometimes they're literally exactly the same. But when you look at, you know, USILA and Inside Lacrosse, the, and the, they're all, you know, they all kind of run together at some point. 
Um, but I, I usually consider the the inside world class ones to be the ones that I look at, the ones that I uh, not not necessarily the more legitimate, but the ones that are more um, widely used among the lacrosse community. So that that answers that question. If if any of y'all uh, had that question, as well as the person who sent me that message on Twitter this morning. That is it for this uh, this week's Cloud Bucket podcast. I will, just like I did last week, I'll post just a sole interview uh, with Barbados Lacrosse founder Jimmy Payne um, later on this week. So if you just want to listen to that interview, you can do that as well. Again, thank you all for listening. LacrosseBucket.com on social media, at LacrosseBucket on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, my personal at Tanner underscore Demling, LacrosseBucket.com, where it's always lacrosse season.